Reading our Bibles regularly can be a challenge, but we're all on this journey together. We're praying that this podcast inspires you, helps you better understand God's Word, and builds your faith. This is Join the Journey with your host, Emma Daughter. Thanks for joining and Merry Christmas. Today, we're starting the book of Revelation. And you might be wondering, why are we reading Revelation at Christmas time? Shouldn't we be doing an Advent study or something? We could, but I think you'll find that Revelation has a lot more specific ties to Christmas than you'd expect. But in today's chapter, we're left with three very specific questions. Number one, what does it mean that those who read aloud the words of this prophecy are blessed? Should we all just read our Bibles out loud? And number two, John says he was, quote unquote, in the spirit on the Lord's day. What does that mean? And three, finally, what in the world does Revelation, with all of its crazy imagery, have to do with Christmas? Now, every year, kids with excited hearts and eager spirits write letters to Santa. Written with great thought, intentionality, and care, these letters are sent off to the North Pole. And as a kid, I definitely wrote letters to Santa. But one letter never made it to him. I wrote it while staying at my grandma's, and it wasn't found until just recently. My grandma took a picture of the letter and texted it to me. She asked if I remembered what pink sparkly thingy meant. I definitely do not know what I meant by pink sparkly thingy, but I'm certain that at one point in time, many, many, many years ago, she and I both knew what pink sparkly thingy meant. Ever been there? Maybe you write a note to yourself or set a reminder only to forget what the reminder was for or what the note meant. Had you referenced the note or the reminder a little bit closer to when you'd written it, you probably would have remembered. And typically, the more time that passes between when something was written and when it is read, the more difficulty we will have understanding it. And when things are difficult to understand, typically, we like to avoid them, which, if I'm honest, is far too true of me. Revelation is a book that I personally have historically dreaded studying and honestly avoided. It can be difficult to understand, confusing, and truly just intimidating. But Revelation is in our Bibles for a purpose. And who am I to pick and choose my favorite parts of the Bible? I mean, the first three verses clue us into the book's value. For instance, what does it mean that those who read aloud the words of this prophecy are blessed? Should we all read our Bibles out loud? Well, think about it like this. Revelation was written at a specific time by a specific person, John, inspired by God, to a group of people, the seven churches, and it has been preserved for us as the living and active Word of God. Verses 1 through 4 help us understand the basic premise of the book of Revelation. More specifically, they show us the subject, what the contents of the letter actually are, the author and his credibility, and his purpose in writing. Take a look at verses 1 through 3. I'm going to read them in the NLT. This is a revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants the events that must soon take place. There's their subject. He sent an angel to present this revelation to his servant John, author, who faithfully reported everything he saw. John's a credible or trusted author. This is his report of the word of God in the testimony of Jesus Christ contents. So what's the subject of Revelation? The events that must soon take place. Who wrote it? John. How did he get the message? An angel. Can this account be trusted as a message from God? Yes, John was faithful to record everything God showed him. 
And why did he write it? What was his purpose in writing? Well, it's clear one aim in writing was to report everything God revealed to him. Additionally, in verse 11, we read that John is told to write in a book everything you see and send it to the seven churches. And in light of this, we have to remember that John wrote this book to a specific group of people for a specific purpose. And what were those people to do? Well, that's where verse 3 comes in. God blesses the one who reads the words of this prophecy to the church, and he blesses all who listen to its message and obey what it says, for the time is near. They were to read it aloud, listen, and obey. Read, listen, obey. It's that simple. Nancy Guthrie, in her book, Blessed, Experiencing the Promise of Revelation, says, Revelation was originally intended to be read out loud to the seven churches it was addressed to. It was written in such a way that when those churches of John's day heard it read to them, they would be able to get its message. That meant it was written to convey a message and stir the imagination rather than to trace an argument. It was written to evoke worship, confidence, anticipation, and hope in those who heard it read to them. It was written for listeners to get a sense of the big picture rather than obsess over the details. And I think she makes an interesting point because our tendency with Revelation is to argue over various theological stances like pre-trib or post-trib, but the book's purpose isn't to make such arguments. Nancy continues, there's, there's no magical blessing in simply hearing what is revealed in Revelation. Blessing occurs because what you've heard is changing how you think, how you feel, what you say, and maybe what you believe. There's no blessing for those who hear it but choose to ignore it, reject it, rebel against it, or simply treat it as fodder for their curiosity. The blessing is for those whose lives are impacted and shaped by what is in it. It changes their priorities. It builds up their courage. It impacts how they spend their money. It leads them to worship in spirit and truth. It sends them to their knees in prayer. It emboldens their witness. It takes away their fear of death. It fills their their imagination and fuels their anticipation of where history is headed. And, And it shapes their understanding of how suffering will resolve in the new heaven and the new earth. And that list, this list, it's filled with blessing. So switching gears a little bit here, John says, as he wrote, as he recorded that those who read aloud this prophecy and listened and obeyed would be blessed, he then later on said he was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. What does that mean? Some commentators believe that the Lord's Day implies the first day of the week, for example, Sunday. However, this expression, the Lord's Day, is never used anywhere else in the Bible to describe the first day of the week. Rather, the phrase day of the Lord is used numerous, really, really countless times throughout Scripture to describe the point in time at which Christ returns, which would be the second Christmas, the day Jesus comes back, his return. We're left to conclude that John is referring to this future day that has not yet happened. He tells us he was writing the letter, Revelation, on an island called Patmos. And in verse 10, reads in the ESV, verse 10, he says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. And because we know that the Lord's day refers to a future day that has not yet happened, the phrase in the Spirit is quite simple to understand. The Bible Knowledge Commentary puts it like this. He was projected forward in his inner self in a vision, not bodily, to that future day of the Lord when God will pour out his judgments on the earth. 
this kind of ethereal experience isn't unique to John and Revelation, because we actually see Ezekiel be lifted up by a wind and transported to other times and locations. John isn't having some sort of charismatic prayer experience. Rather, God is revealing truth to him in a much similar way to that of prophets past. There's so much more we could talk about here, but as we're running out of time, I want to answer the big question we're all asking. It's day one in Revelation, and what in the world does Revelation have to do with Christmas? Why are we reading it in December? Well, way back in Genesis 3, in the midst of the curses of sin, God said that from the woman would come a seed, that's a child, who would crush the head of the serpent, triumphing over evil forever. A baby would one day be born, and that baby is the ultimate victor. That's Genesis 3.15. And that baby came, John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's, that's what we celebrate at Christmas. And now John, in Revelation 1, 17 through 18, writes, When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. I have the keys of death and Hades. Revelation can seem incredibly scary, but Jesus doesn't want us to be afraid. Rather, I really think this book, this part of God's grand story, is intended to be a confidence builder, as Nancy Guthrie writes, All anxiety about the future finds relief in Jesus himself. Let me say that again. All anxiety about the future finds relief in Jesus himself. Yes, Jesus humbled himself and became a fragile child, Emmanuel, God with us, a day filled with hope, the first Christmas. But a day is coming when he will again return in power, might, strength, and hope. So, When we think about the troubles of this world and the tribulation to come, rather than resent or fear them, we can simply expect them, expect those trials, because John gives us really just a peek, a glimpse of our powerful, victorious, strong, triumphant, dependable, compassionate, kind, merciful, just, loving, and strong Jesus. And this Jesus is exactly who we need to have in mind as we endure the troubles of this world or as we navigate the mall Christmas shopping, when we don't get the gift we wanted or when our family members are driving us crazy or when we face opposition for talking about Christmas instead of the generic holidays at the office. He's no longer an infant, no longer a baby, despite being fully God at that time. The picture of Jesus we get in Revelation, powerful and victorious. And that Jesus, one day he's coming back. And that's something to look forward to. We're definitely out of time. Please forgive me for going over. And as always, I am so glad we're all on this journey reading the Bible together. The Join the Journey podcast is produced by Watermark Community Church in Dallas, Texas. You can learn more about Watermark by connecting with us on social media. Just search Watermark Church, all one word. And to read along with us, visit jointhejourney.com. And thank you guys for listening.